Welcome back to another edition of the Boulders Extra podcast. Uh, Mike Carmen, uh, beat writer for uh, the Purdue football team and also uh, the men's basketball team because we will talk a little basketball uh, later uh, in the podcast. Uh, this day before Halloween uh, in, in West Lafayette, it's uh, it's rainy, it's cold. We're getting ready for the next season to, to come, and I think that's tonight when we get maybe a few snowflakes, either tonight or tomorrow, which uh, it's not even November yet, and we're we're talking about snow. But I think our guest on the line... Uh, Chris Bassett from uh, the Lincoln uh, Journal Star has already experienced some snow out in out in Nebraska land. So he, he's, uh, uh, I think he's uh, more well prepared to deal with it than we are. We, we but we welcome Chris to the podcast today to talk uh, about Saturday's game between Purdue and Nebraska, and also some some Big Ten hoops a little bit later. But Chris, uh, thanks for taking some time out today to, to to talk to us. Yeah, thanks for having me, Mike. Glad to do it. All right. Um, First thing, uh, so if I show up at your house on Thursday, which I won't, <laughs> what 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 candy are you handing out? Uh, we got we got the good stuff at our house. I actually went and bought it uh, last night. We got uh, Snickers and Kit Kats and, and Twix, and um, we got some Jolly Ranchers. So so we got the good stuff. And we got a good variety. So our 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 house is going to be the place to be tomorrow night. Is is your house slash neighborhood active on Halloween or whenever they? whenever Lincoln decides that you can have Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's kind of funny. My, my wife and I actually moved into our house um, last fall, so we, we weren't really sure what it was going to look like. So, you know, I went and bought a couple bags of candy or whatever and, and sat outside and ran out of candy in about an hour. So we've got a ton of kids that will come through the neighborhood. Yeah. So I probably overbought this year, but that's okay. I'll just keep the extras. Well, you have uh, you have something to pass out at the uh... – at the, the some basketball games coming up where you can <laughs> yeah, feed other yeah, exactly. other other media members. Yeah. All right, well let's uh, let's delve into what what may happen Saturday, but also kind of the state of the Huskers, uh, four and four record. Uh, you know, I think at the beginning of the year, uh, Nebraska fans expect more every year. We we know we know <laughs> that so that yep. you can never you can never have high enough expecta- expectations in Nebraska, but. Um, I guess where's the line between expectations and reality as far as where Scott Frost's program is at right now? Yeah, it's, it, it's an interesting question. You, you you kind of mentioned the weather being cloudy and cold and, and kind of dreary, and, that, and that's kind of what it feels like here right now. You know, I, I don't think, and you mentioned it too, that the expectations can never be high enough here in Lincoln, but I don't think anybody expected 4-4 four and four at this point, and 4-4 and, four and four in the way Nebraska's gotten to it. You know, blowing, blowing a late lead at Colorado, one of your historic rivals, you know, you lost to Ohio State, fine, that's going to happen uh, with, with as good as Ohio State is this year. And, and then, you know, especially last week with the lost Indiana a game that, that was, I think, really important for Nebraska as they kind of try to get towards bowl eligibility here and just could not get a stop when they needed to, you know, made mistakes when they couldn't made mistakes. It was kind of the kind of the same thing we've seen from Nebraska in big games, even before Scott Frost got here, just the inability to find a way to make a big play when they needed it. And I think that what that has led to is certainly a lot of frustration uh, in the fan base because right now it looks like it did, you know, under Mike Riley and how it did under Bo Pelini and, and how it did even going back to under Bill Callahan. You know, it, it doesn't look any different right now. And, and I think it, people expected it to look different this year. I think the coaching staff expected it to look different this year. You know, Scott Frost was a really confident guy back at Big Ten Media Days. Um, in, in the summer, and, and you know the athletic director here, Bill 
Bill Moose talked about, well, we just need to get to six wins and worry about getting to a bowl, and then we'll go from there. And Scott Frost kind of laughed that off. And now all of a sudden, Bill Moose looks like a pretty smart guy because um, it, the reality of it is Nebraska is, is, is probably going to have a hard time getting to six wins unless they find a way to play better here over the last month of the season. So, yeah, it, it's been it's – been, from from uh from my standpoint, it's been really interesting to kind of watch this season fold as it has and see this frustration among the fan base and, and among the coaching staff kind of build as it has, especially over these last few weeks. Yes, because they they were the um, they they weren't they were not the overwhelming choice to win the West, but they were a, they were a favorite of many people, uh, and I and I don't know if that's because of well in year two at. Uh, at his last school, they they did this, and you know we have you know we in the media sometimes have a tendency to play into that narrative a little bit, but just from a, just from a talent standpoint though, where where are they at in, in development, and uh, you know and how much is how much is lacking for, from them as far as to getting them back to the top of the Big Ten West or uh, competing with uh, Ohio State and, and and Michigan and Penn State. Yeah, I think you kind of nailed it. The talent right now isn't where it needs to be to compete at the top of the Big Ten, whether it's in the Big Ten West or, or the Big Ten as a whole. Uh, this team is not deep on the offensive line. Um, one of the starters on the offensive line right now is a guy that was a walk-on before the season started and was awarded a scholarship. They, they've got some young guys that they really like. But, you know, in the Big Ten, and you know this too, you can't just – throw 18, 19-year-old kids out there on the offensive line in the Big Ten and expect to go compete with the Wisconsins and the Ohio States of the world. And the problem for Nebraska is right now they're not competing with the Minnesotas of the world up front. You know, and then that's a team traditionally that, you know, Nebraska fans would probably expect to beat. You know, and obviously Minnesota's had a great year and P.J. Cliff has done a great job, but it, the, the depth of talent is just not there. You, you know what Nebraska has a quarterback with Adrian Martinez. You've got a special talent. And what they've discovered over the last couple of weeks is that his backups are, are pretty good, too. Noah Bedrill and Luke McCaffrey have both played pretty well. But the running back position has been, for the most part, a disappointment. You know, you, you, you've lost Maurice Washington for, for who knows how long, maybe maybe forever, with, with his off-the-field troubles. You know, right now your best running back is Wondale Robinson, who, who's kind of a Rondale Moore club. You know, a, a diminutive guy, a small guy, but really powerful, really tough, and, and can do a lot of different things for you. Uh, you're not deep at receiver. You've got a really good one in J.D. Spielman, but the guys outside of him are either unproven or, or haven't performed. You know, that this team just doesn't have it's it's got some decent pieces, but it doesn't have enough of those pieces. And it, it it's you especially notice it up front. You especially notice it in the run game when Nebraska's trying to get a running back going and they just haven't been able to do that consistently this year. You know, I close my eyes and I listen to you talk. I, I can picture you talking about Purdue's program. <laughs> because I mean those are not just this year's team, but those are Issues that Purdue has dealt with throughout its history, where you don't have enough depth, you're not that good on the offensive line. You have a playmaker here, a playmaker there, but you don't have enough of playmaker playmakers. Or if you suffer an injury, like Purdue has done this year, and several of them, you just don't have replacements uh, for those guys. So I, I think that's probably frightening <laughs> for Nebraska people to uh, to think about. And the question I I, I kind of I, I do want to ask because uh, fans. You know, fans of all programs kind of live in the past a lot. And with Nebraska, you know, they want to return to the glory days where they, they were the dominant team. But you, you kind of excuse the fans for doing that. But I guess media and just realistic people, 
how much do they need to embrace this is the new Nebraska in a new situation in the Big Ten, and there's just kind of a, there might be a longer road to climb here. Yeah, I, I think you're exactly right. It, it, it is a new Nebraska, and it, and it is a new age. And and that's what makes some of the things I just talked about with the lack of depth so jarring, you know, because you think of the classic Nebraska teams, and you think of just you just think of an assembly line on the offensive line. You could just plug guys in and, and go run for 300 yards, and, and Nebraska just cannot do that right now, you know. And that's, that's the reality of modern college football. You know, Nebraska's a difficult place to recruit to, um, and it's a difficult place to 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 get this program to where it wants to be consistently. You have to be able to develop guys, and right now you're not even through year two of Scott Frost, and the development takes time, especially up front. It, it takes time to develop offensive linemen. Look at Wisconsin. Look at Ohio State. How many of those guys on the offensive lines are you know juniors and seniors and even redshirt sophomores? You know it. These things take time, and you're, we're talking about a fan base, like we've mentioned already, that has waited, been waiting 20 years for this team to, to be relevant again, to compete at the top of the conference consistently again, to to be a player in national rankings and, and in big bowl games again. And it just, it's been so long since it happened, and of course Scott Frost was hired, and everybody thought he was going to be the savior, and he very well still might be. I think he's an excellent coach, but it's going to take time, and part of that is just football's different now than it was you know 25 30 years ago when tom osborne could, could go get his pick of offensive linemen and, and quality running backs and so and it's a different conference look the big tens big tens tough man and, and we mentioned wisconsin and ohio state and penn state now minnesota's got it going a little bit you know he, he, purdue despite the record this year has, has shown growth under jeff brome you know it's it's not like you can just go out there and count on three or four wins in the conference every year because teams are, are down or programs are down or anything like that it's tough every single week and i think that's been a hard lesson for nebraska fans to learn certainly and i think it's been a tough lesson this program has had to learn and even that scott frost has had to learn a little bit you know he obviously he coached in the, in the big 12 or in the pac-12 had great success as a corner in oregon and obviously had great success at, at central florida but the big Ten's just a different animal and it's going to take time and that you know you that tests the patience of a fan base that, that has had its patience tested for now going on 20 years yeah i mean i and I, you know, I don't know if there's a, a button that they push at the end of this year that uh, that gets them turned around in the in the right direction to satisfy the fan base, and if that button did exist, they were already would have pushed it. I think. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, but moving ahead to Saturday's game, uh, just seeing the reports this week out of, out of Lincoln, um, uh, you know, Adrian Martinez seems good to go. Is that is, is that a is that a fair assessment? Where kind of where his health is at going into Saturday? I think so. I think so. Um, we we kind of thought it might happen last week, and it, it ended up not happening. But he was an emergency option last week against Indiana. But it sure sounds like like he's like he's if not one hundred percent, been pretty close. Um, and and he said it himself yesterday. I'm, I'm full go. I'm ready to to get back out there. Uh, the quarterbacks coach today, Mario Rodusco, said, "Yeah, he's full go. We just wanted to have an abundance of caution with him last week, make sure he was ready." Offensive coordinator Detroit Walter said, "Yeah, we're, we're excited to have him back, and I think the guys are excited to have him back, and Adrian's excited to be back and kind of kind of prove the quarterback he is." So, yeah, right now you never know with this staff as far as injuries because they don't like to talk about him a lot unless it's a season-ending type of situation. But but for all intents and purposes, it, it looks like Adrian Martinez is going to be the guy Saturday. 
so yeah he so he, he'll start you think i think he will i think he will um it, it's been what now three weeks since he's played and, and he's been in full pads this week and was in full pads for part of last week too so i think he's probably your guy what was the difference in the offense or was there a difference in the offense without him in there you know, the, the kind of surprising thing was, I don't think there was a whole lot of difference. And, and whether it was Noah Vedrill, the backup, or Luke McCaffrey, the freshman who's the third stringer, um, Nebraska really moved the ball pretty well uh, against Indiana. They completed a high percentage of passes. The, the quarterback run game didn't change much because he had two pretty good athletes there. The one thing that's maybe different is that uh, Martinez has such a strong arm, and, and he can make throws that those other two guys can't. And that's no knock against those two guys. It's just that Adrian Martinez can make throws that a lot of guys can't make, whether it's you know a, a deep out or, or something deep up the seam or where you've really got to drive the ball in there. Martinez just gives you a little bit different dimension as far as arm strength goes. So if there's going to be a big difference in the, the offense Saturday for Nebraska, I think it's going to be the ability for them to maybe take a couple more deep shots or maybe you know throw a different route that they just weren't able to throw with those other guys just because of the, the arm strength Martinez brings to the position. But other than that, tempo-wise, uh, the plays they like to run, their bread-and-butter plays, base plays, it, it doesn't look a whole lot different with those other guys in there. And uh, please correct me if I'm wrong, but I thought I saw where uh, Martinez is still the leading rusher on the team. Is that right? I believe he is, yeah. yeah. And that goes back to what we kind of talked yeah. about a, a little bit ago with just a lack of production from the running back yeah. position. You know, it, it, there's maybe – if you were going to point to a bread-and-butter play this year in the running game for Nebraska, it's probably the quarterback draw. And that's just, that's kind of a scary thing when you've got a quarterback that's been dinged up two years in a row now. So, yeah, he, he's he's a guy that can do that at his size. He's, he can move the chains, and he can go out there and get you three or four yards of pop if he needs to. Yeah, because you you did talk about the lack of production from the from the running backs, but I, I don't think the other two quarterbacks that you talked about are really are they designed to be runners like like Martinez? They, they can be. The the difference is they don't have the size. You know, Martinez is six three, two twenty five, two thirty, and Noah Bedrill, his backup's probably you know around five ten, two hundred. Luke McCaffrey, kind of in that same ballpark just kind of smaller, shiftier, speedier guys. What Martinez brings is just more of a power uh, aspect to it. He can he can drag a tackler with him and, and go into the line and, and you know shrug off a tackler maybe easier than some of those other guys can. So, yeah, they, they, they're able to run. The other guys are able to run, but I don't know that they necessarily have the, the explosive capability that Adrian Martinez brings to that position. All right, let's talk defensively. Um... You know, they've given up some yards, they've given up some points. I don't think they're great at getting after the quarterback uh, when, when you look at them. Uh, but where where is the strength of this defense, and where can they, where can a team like Purdue potentially find some holes in the defense? Yeah, that's, that's right now, that, that's a position, that's a that's a unit that, that's under some fire. Like you mentioned, Eric Shenander's kind of taken the defensive corner, has taken a lot of grief the last couple of weeks. You look at their last five games, and it's been, they've allowed, I think, 38, 48, 10, 34, and 30, 38 points. And the, the 10 came against Northwestern, who can't score against anybody, you know. So <laughs> it's, it's just a unit, you know, it's early in the year in the non-conference, they were really good at stopping the run. I think they're allowing less than 90 yards a game on the ground, and now they've gotten into Big Ten play, and they're giving up 250 yards a game on the ground, you know. Last week against Indiana, they finally stopped the run, and Indiana throws for 350 yards. So it's kind of a deal right now where if it's not one thing, it's the other. Right? And we know Purdue's strength is in the passing game. 
if Nebraska plays like it does last week in the passing game, Purdue's going to be able to move the ball through the air on this defense because you mentioned it again. This team has really struggled to generate a pass rush. You know, they don't have that one guy that can just go get the quarterback, and those guys are, are, are rare, certainly. But Nebraska right now can't get home with four guys. If they want to get pressure, it's often through the blitz, and then they're leaving their cornerbacks on an island one-on-one, and that's leading to some big plays. That's what happened uh, last week in Indiana. We saw a lot of failure catch, I think, 14 passes for 180 yards because he was, he was usually one-on-one against a safety or a linebacker, and, and that's not going to end very well. So it's a defense that's kind of looking for something right now and kind of searching for itself. I think they may have found a little bit of something last week against the run, but again, that came at the expense of the Indiana's passing game really diced Nebraska up. So if Purdue's able to keep the quarterback upright, they're going to have a chance to really move the ball through the air against Nebraska. And that's the one thing that we've seen with Jack Plummer and really Sindelar at the beginning of the year is that when you give them time, uh, they've been able to, to to move the ball through the air. I think if you go back to the Maryland game when Maryland didn't get a lot of pressure, you know, Plummer, you know, threw for a bunch of yardage and only missed eight passes uh, the whole day. But when he's been under pressure, you look at the Penn State game and uh, a couple other games that is, it's, it's, that's really disrupted uh, Purdue's passing game and the fact that Purdue has not been great running the ball either this could be a game where Jeff Brom just says, that's ah, great. We're going to throw 70 times. Well, yeah. <laughs> it, 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 and they might, and they might have to start doing it. And, and it's not that Nebraska's corners and defensive backs have had a rough year. It's just that they've had to cover for so long because Nebraska just can't get home uh, with a pass rush. They can't force a guy out of the pocket. They can't force a bad throw. So, you know, Nebraska's corners, safeties are good. Those first few seconds in coverage. But if you give the quarterback time to stand there, you know, for four, five, six seconds, go through, progressions that's where they've gotten into trouble so yeah if that's the case again saturday then then yeah jack Plummer's going to be able to, to find some guys and have a big day I, I would probably right now lean toward rondell Moore not playing because he didn't practice at least based on what we were able to see i don't think he practiced yesterday and you know we won't know till later the you know we're recording this on wednesday whether he gets out there or not but still purdue Purdue's got a, another freshman that has come Come, come to the surface and David Bell. He's more of a perimeter guy, where Rondell's a slot guy. But what, what have you, what have you gleaned from uh, how Nebraska views David Bell and how maybe he is, he is, how important he is to Purdue's offense right now? Yeah, I, I think Nebraska's defensive coaches have a have a lot of respect for what Purdue wants to do offensively. And, and obviously, Rondell Moore was a guy that got mentioned by name yesterday by Eric Schnander. David Bell was another guy. Just such a such a tough guard with his size at that position. I think that's going to be a really interesting matchup because I think you're going to see Lamar Jackson, Nebraska's best corner, probably covering um, covering Bell quite a bit uh, Saturday, and, and that's going to be a matchup between I think two really good players. But you know, uh, Eric Shanner mentioned it yesterday. Purdue's got a tight end that's had a had a really nice year and has really come on. They, they, you know, they've got a lot of different threats and they've got a lot of different ways to get those threats into positions to to do damage. So. Yeah, they're they're fully aware of what this receiving core is capable of, whether Rondale Moore plays or, or whether he doesn't. And it's and this it becomes a matter of can Nebraska, as we just said, pressure the quarterback enough to disrupt things? Because if they don't, then, then a guy like like David Bell, I think, could have a really big day Saturday. Right. Uh, we're visiting with uh, Chris uh, Bassinet from the Lincoln Journal Star uh, out in Lincoln, Nebraska. It covers uh, 
Nebraska football, but he also covers uh, Nebraska's program, uh, basketball program, and we're going to shift gears a little bit and talk some hoops. Uh, Fred Hoiberg, the new coach uh, at Nebraska, uh, not only did Nebraska get a new coach, I think they have a new team. Uh, I think I think the roster is completely different. Uh, there might be one holdover, is that right, or two? Yeah, um, they've got 16 guys on the roster. 14 of them weren't here last year, okay. and uh, the only one there was only one last year that played. They had a transfer that sat out as a redshirt last year. So yeah. yeah, one guy that played last year. So you know they they're not picked very high. I'm not sure where they're picked. They're down at the bottom of the Big Ten. Uh, but I mean, realistic. What's a you know is this program starting over? I mean, is this, is it as simple as that, or are there some pieces there that could push? push Nebraska up a little bit farther from the bottom. It, it's interesting. I, I think they're starting over in a sense just because how can you not start over, you know, with 14 new guys and 11 new scholarship guys and, and an entirely new coaching staff. But on the other hand, there are some pieces here that I think Fred Hoiberg really likes. And you look at his history um, when he was at Iowa State the first year was a little bit of a struggle, especially when they got into the conference. And then in year two, they were in the NCAA tournament. And then that's when things really took off was after year two. And I think it could be kind of a similar situation here. Um, it, this Nebraska team is going to look completely different than Nebraska has looked for essentially ever, but especially the last 20 to 25 years. They're going to play a completely different way, you know, under Tim Miles and, and under Doc Sadler before him. It was, it was very control the tempo, control the pace, play really good defense, and let's try and win a game, you know, 60 to 55. Now it's going to be, we're going to run at every opportunity. We're going to shoot a ton of threes. It's going to be pace and space, and, and we might lose, but we're going to lose 90 to 80, 83. You know, it's just going to be a completely different brand of basketball. And, you know, it's it, you talk expectations. It's just so hard because we just, we haven't seen this team yet. You know, we've been able to, in the media, been able to watch parts of a couple practices but even in those practices, the guy who's going to be the starting point guard, Cam Mack, hasn't played because he was dealing with some some health issues early in the year, and he's back now. You know, you're you're looking at a team that just doesn't they don't have much size. Their biggest player is a is a freshman, uh, six foot nine, two hundred seventy pounds, and he looks like a Big Ten player, but he's only seventeen years old. He just turned seventeen years old in March, and, and comes from France and hasn't experienced the American game. But yeah, it's, there's just so many unknowns right now. The only thing we really know is that it's going to look completely different than it has in the past (laughs) you know until i think they're going to struggle when they get to the big 10 because obviously the big 10 is just so deep and then there's so many quality teams but but if history is any indication i think fred hoiberg likes the direction that they're going right now he's got a couple guys that are sit out transfers this year that i think are really going to help them next season but for right now and fred hoiberg has said this since day one it's about the process and you know, about finding ways to, to get better every day and, and just kind of build and take steps. And, and if that doesn't sound like a coach who's starting completely over, then I'm not sure what is. So, yeah, it's going to be really interesting to, to see what this team looks like and what it looks like a year from now. Well, uh, Purdue and Nebraska will play early in the in the Big Ten season in December. I believe it's December 15th uh, in Lincoln. Uh, so, you know, where, where the Huskers are at that stage – and, you know, quite frankly, where Purdue's at at that stage will be interesting uh, to see. Purdue has a few more bodies of experience, and, um, you know, Matt Painter's been here a long time, so his program is kind of established. But still, you're getting you're getting into Big Ten season at that point, and things things have a tendency to change once you start to once you start yeah. league play. But kind of w- what's your view of um, uh, of Purdue? 
what they lost, what they have coming back, and kind of where do you stack them up right now uh, in, in the Big Ten? Yeah, I think it's a situation where where at this point uh, Purdue and, and Matt Painter have kind of earned the benefit of the doubt, I think, as being a top-tier Big Ten program. You know, and we saw what they've been able to do uh, the previous couple seasons just with with players they lost and key pieces that they lost and just continuing to still be very competitive and, and compete at the top of the conference, compete in the NCAA tournament. And it, it certainly it, it's going to look different this year just because you lost – guys, you know, in, in, in Carson Edwards and Dakota and Matthias that were just such valuable pieces and did so much for him, especially Carson Edwards, obviously, with, with the way he scored the ball and the amount of offense that ran through him. So it's going to look different. But again, you know, this is what Matt Painter's done is is establish a great program. And if if Purdue takes a step back this year, you know, maybe that means only winning, you know, 20 games or 22 as opposed to, you know, 26 or 27. I just think that's where Purdue, from my point of view, that's where Purdue's at right now. They've just become such a solid, self-sustaining program that, yeah, losing guys like Carson Edwards is going to hurt. But you've got guys in the pipeline that have played big minutes for that team that have played in big situations and, and are ready to take on bigger roles. So it's a team that, that to me, is always going to compete near the top, if not at the top of the Big Ten, and, and be right there with, you know, maybe the teams that are thought of as, you know, quote-unquote more traditional powers than Michigan's, Michigan State's, teams like that. I think Purdue is right in that discussion with those teams. I did want to ask you, did the, when you when you look at Michigan State, does the injury to Langford change your view of them, or the fact that he'll be back in January kind of keeps them where they're at? Yeah, it's it's you hate to see that for for Langford because yeah. he's such a, a good player and I think he's a pretty good guy too and he was gonna he's he's really good and, and again it, it, it's it's similar to Purdue obviously Tom Izzo and that program's earned the benefit of the doubt and certainly they're they're gonna miss him how can you not but they also went to the Final Four without him last year you know when he got hurt and as long as that team has Cassius Winston as long as that team's got Tom Izzo on the sideline they're gonna be all right now does that mean they maybe lose a couple of these tough non-conference games that they might have been able to sneak out wins with Langford, maybe. But again, like you said, he's back in January when things really get serious in the Big Ten, and, and that that can only help them. And it, I picked him to win, win the conference uh, in the preseason poll. My view of that hasn't changed. I just think the talent they have there, they've got a difference maker in Cassius Winston. If they're able to get Langford back and get him healthy, that just makes them that much better. So I think right now they're, they're the team everybody's looking up at. All righty. Well, Chris, we appreciate your time today. Chris uh, Bassinet from the Lincoln uh, Journal Star. Where where can people find you on Twitter as, uh, uh, as you as get to football? Uh, extra CB, uh, if you want to follow along. Um, yeah, I'm, I help out with football. I obviously cover basketball. When baseball season gets here, I'll be dealing with that too. So, yeah, if, if you want to follow along, it's at Husker Extra CB. Yeah, I just saw the Purdue baseball schedule uh, get released. I think Nebraska is going to come here for uh, a weekend Big Ten series. Yeah, that'll be interesting because uh, Nebraska's got a former Purdue pitcher, Gareth, Gareth Stroh, was up right. there for a few years and is back here at Nebraska now. So yeah, and you know Purdue's got a new coach this year after Mark yep. Wazikowski left for Oregon, and uh, so some a few changes going on here in uh, Purdue baseball. But uh, yeah, I look forward to that series when that happens. That means the weather. That means the weather's going to get warmer. And uh, hopefully we'll someday. Yeah, you, you mentioned snow, and it's been snowing here all morning, so I'm, I'm already ready for that to be done with. All right. Well, Chris, again, appreciate your time. Uh, wonderful insight, and uh, look forward to seeing you during basketball season. Uh, I guess, are you coming Saturday? I will be there.
there Saturday. Yeah, okay. I will be up in West Lafayette, so we'll see you Saturday. All right. Well, we look forward to, to seeing you, and then we'll see you throughout the, the basketball campaign as uh, the Big Ten season gets going. Chris, once again, appreciate your time. Yeah, thanks for having me, Mike. Once again, I'd like to thank Chris uh, for joining us on the on the podcast today to talk uh, about Nebraska football, uh, which is coming to Ross Age Stadium on Saturday to face Purdue, and also a little basketball as uh, that sport is is heating up. Uh, the Boilermakers are playing their first uh, exhibition game or only exhibition game coming up on uh, Friday night at eight o'clock, uh, just a few hours before kickoff of the of the Saturday game, which is at noon. Uh, in case you missed it, uh, the Purdue basketball team did play a closed scrimmage or secret scrimmage or however you want to call it uh, against Providence. They lost uh, 60 to 53. Uh, scores probably doesn't mean a whole lot in those things because uh, Purdue got walloped by West Virginia a couple years ago. And um, I think Matt Painter loves it, to be honest. He loves when his team gets, uh, gets a taste of uh, adversity and gets a taste of what they need to work on. So. Uh, nobody got in double figures based on the stat sheet uh, that we saw. Uh, so I, I would expect some uh, some improvement there from a basketball standpoint coming up Friday night against Southern Indiana. No gel Eastern won't play. He has a foot issue he's dealing with. Uh, he didn't play in the scrimmage, and he is expected to be back for the season opener on November 6th uh, against Green Bay uh, at Mackey Arena. But as uh, we get uh, through the month of November, we'll talk more basketball uh, and bring you up to date on what's going on with Matt Painter's uh, team and and program as they as, as they start their season and uh, they'll be getting going uh, uh, here pretty soon. And when you look at their schedule, you know they got Green Bay in the opener. They got Texas coming up in the second game, uh, which is uh, saying a week from Saturday at Mackey Arena. Then they're going to be at Marquette, and they've got that tournament down in Florida over Thanksgiving that. Uh, uh, that's really going to test them. Uh, I believe they open with uh, VCU and then could play Tennessee or Florida State uh, in the in the second game. So they're going to get tested again in the in the non-conference, and uh, that's that's what you expect. And remember, you know they they got off to a slow start last year. I believe they were nine and five, and then got things rolling in in the Big Ten and, and got a piece of the championship game, a uh, championship again. Uh, but back to football, uh, big game. Uh, Another big game for Purdue, but maybe not as big as last week because, um, you know, last week to me was the the game that Purdue needed to win uh, to really keep its uh, bull hopes alive. Yes, it, it, there's, a, there's a scenario that if Purdue wins four games, it'll go to uh, a bowl game. But, you know, right now I just don't see that happening, and I've expressed that, and that's, that's not going to change. I mean, they could win the next two games. Yeah, they could. They could beat Nebraska at home and go on the road and, and win at Northwestern. I just don't see this team in uh, the way it is currently constructed going to Wisconsin and winning, especially if the Badgers still have a chance to win the West. Uh, they're not going to slip up in that game. So, and I'm not. I'm not saying Purdue's going to win its next two games. I would. I'd be uh, be a little surprised right now based on how they're playing. But the opponents that they're that they're playing with Nebraska and Northwestern. Uh, are kind of right around their level right now, and uh, I, I, you know, I, I would expect both games to be competitive. I expect Saturday to be probably a close game and one that should feature a lot of points. Because uh, as you heard Chris talk, you know they don't they don't uh, defend the pass very well, and that's Purdue's strength right now. So I'd expect uh, 
you know, Plummer to have some time in the pocket, uh, be able to find David Bell uh, a little bit more than he did last week, uh, and then, you know, really get Bryson Hopkins involved. I think that's probably a bigger key than anything uh, in Purdue's passing game coming up Saturday is uh, get that guy involved. And, you know, it's usually not just one thing why a receiver's not involved. It's multiple things. But, you know, Hopkins is a, is a legitimate talent. Uh, he had the 10 catches uh, uh, earlier this year. And, you know, he, he's a guy that uh, needs to be, be, be fed the ball. And if you're not going to throw it to David Bell, uh, if you're going to have laws when you throw it, uh, try to throw it to David Bell or not throwing it to David Bell, then you need to get Hopkins involved and, um, and go from there. But I, I think David Bell and Bryson Hopkins could have – each could have big games uh, on Saturday if, if, if that's how the game plan uh, would, would come out. But Purdue's going to have to figure out a way to also stop – uh, Nebraska with uh, you know what we what we expect uh, Adrian Martinez to play at quarterback uh, he gives them a little bit more of a threat in the run in the passing game along with the running game but uh, he, he you know he's he's the ultimate dual threat quarterback and uh, Purdue's had problems with those uh, those guys and the, the whole uh, run pass uh, offensive systems this year and um, and, the, the, and they're probably going to struggle a little bit and give up some chunk plays on Saturday just because that's kind of who they are and that's, you know, that's what Nebraska does. So I, I expect a lot of points, to be honest. Uh, you know, I don't think it's going to rain. It's going to be cold. Temperatures probably won't get out of the 40s, but I, I, I see a lot of points in this game, and uh, it, may, it may come down to who has uh, the ball last. Uh, just to update you, what uh, – what happened at practice or what we thought we saw at, at practice uh, uh, this week. We only got to watch t- uh, two periods uh, on Tuesday and Wednesday. Usually uh, we, we're allowed up to five, and some days it's been nine, but we only got periods one and two. Uh, and it was really, uh, personally, it was a blessing because it was uh, a little bit too cold uh, for me <laughs> these, the last two days. So I wasn't uh, completely disappointed, not watching more of a practice but you know some 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 old faces or some guys that haven't been out there were out there uh going through practice like Branson Dean he's he's missed the last few games and last uh, several um uh, weeks of practice did not see Jared Sparks practicing I saw him on Tuesday but he was in he wasn't in uh, uh, uniform so so it doesn't look like he'll be a go did not see Rondell more practice in the in the two periods or the the four combined periods that we we were able to watch doesn't mean he didn't get out there when when we left but uh you know we'll we'll know Thursday for sure or you know if Jeff Brown wants to tell us what the deal is with Rondell uh this week if there if there is any kind of deal there may not be anything uh to it that he he, he might be out again but signs point to him not playing but uh you you will see uh, didn't see Derek Barnes, uh, especially Wednesday. Uh, and Jeff Brom did mention on his radio show Wednesday night that they had a starter uh, turn their ankle. I'm not saying it was Derek Barnes, but uh, the, Jeff did allude to a starter uh, getting injured in practice. So uh, that's something that we'll, we'll follow up. And uh, you can check jconline.com uh, Thursday afternoon, Thursday evening to see what uh, that update, if 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 we get one at all. Uh, Jeff Brom also revealed on the, the radio show that King DeRue got nicked up uh, in the game last week. And then, uh, if you remember, Xander Horvath got a lot of carries 
uh, in the fourth quarter in the second half. Uh, so I'm kind of curious who, who might start the game. We still haven't seen a depth chart uh, from uh, for this week. Uh, they didn't put one out on Monday uh, claiming that uh, they had so many guys that were questionable that it really didn't it really didn't do any good to put one out at that point. That was what they said, but you know that's that's what we live with. Some some schools don't even put out depth charts, and you know anytime you you deviate from the norm, and then when you're losing a little bit, you don't do something that you've done, then it does raise a few questions. Although, uh, to be honest and uh, transparent, the, the question did not get asked Monday at uh, his press conference, and that would be my fault. Uh, for not asking that question, uh, but they probably follow up on Thursday to see why exactly they didn't. Uh, they put out a depth chart. I'm, I'm sure they'll have one. They'll have one out for the game for sure, and uh, just a matter of when they uh, when they uh, when they put that out. Um, other guys, uh, Christian Long, a freshman who who we were told at the beginning of the year would just he he wouldn't play at all, but he's been dressed and he's been. Um, He's been going through some practice. I, I, I doubt if he would play, uh, but Purdue is short on linebackers. Uh, and a lot of times they're, they're getting players ready to play. And they've done that with uh, – they did that with Kali Saunders earlier in the year where they got him more involved in practice, but it was two or three weeks before he actually got on the field, and that happened against Maryland. And um, the other guy that comes to mind – actually, there's two other guys that come to mind – uh, uh, Cam Craig, uh, the offensive lineman, uh, Jeff talked about him earlier in the week that he may get in the rotation, uh, and, and play, play some. And then, uh, defensive lineman, Steven Fischel, uh, has been part of the travel squad when they've gone on the road, but hasn't played. Uh, they're, they're obviously trying to protect his, his red shirt year. And now that we're down to the last four games, that's assuming Purdue doesn't become bowl eligible, then, uh, you, you might see, uh, for show out there in some capacity uh, during the next month, maybe maybe Saturday, maybe next week. Uh, but that's just another guy they they they're going to get to look at, and I think that's you know that, that that's where the new redshirt rule really comes into play, and I think it benefits everyone. It just doesn't benefit a program uh, uh, like Purdue. Uh, so that that's kind of the update of uh, of what happened uh, this week at, uh, at, at Purdue football practice. And, um, and we'll wrap things up here. Uh, we'll be back after the game on Saturday with a post game edition of the, uh, the Boilers extra podcast and, uh, probably have something, uh, uh, from a podcast standpoint or, uh, me talking into my phone and then putting it out there, uh, from the basketball game Friday night, uh, as we, as we kind of, uh, handle double duties here, uh, would like to make some sort of post-game podcast available after basketball games. Really don't like talking to myself in these situations. Wish I had someone to converse with uh, <laughs> after after these games uh, to to kind of throw things around and get different opinions and stuff like that. But uh, uh, that's just uh, the kind of the way the way the way it is uh, right now. But uh, yeah, starting to get busy uh, with Purdue sports, uh, the main ones and. Uh, you know, as I said, football and basketball this weekend, and then basketball is going to start their season next week. Football is going to get through the month of November, then uh, see where they're at. But anyway, be back uh, uh, after the game uh, Saturday, of course, uh, for all the coverage uh, of, of the game and leading up to the game and after the game, jconline.com, 
uh, subscribe to the podcast. You know how to do it because you're doing it right now. Tell your friends uh, and your neighbors uh, and whoever else you, you would like to tell that uh, tell them to subscribe to the, uh, the Borders uh, Extra podcast. Uh, until uh, this weekend, Friday and Saturday, most likely, uh, we'll talk to you then. Thanks for listening.